instruction still Hebrews 2 14 real quick time for as much as then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil very serious and then revelation 24 and I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. Thank you. Revelation 1.18 now. Hallelujah. I am he that liveth, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. And so now, that resurrection upon which he says you anchor your life and gives you hope beyond the tombs. What is the importance of that resurrection now to you as a church? I'm simply opening it up for you. Uh, the book of Romans 10 verse 9. The resurrection of the saints. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Hallelujah. The very foundation of our salvation. That's why he raises it there as very important at rapture. That that should change everything on how you live on the earth. And then uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. That the resurrection from the dead is what gives the church power. We are still on this anchor he gave us in First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 14. That because Jesus died and rose again, you should be totally different from the entire earth. The whole world, live a different life, have hope. We're going to see that hope also, the hope of eternal life. I'll look at it later. And so, uh, Acts chapter 5, 29, 31. The importance of resurrection to the church today. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. That is the same Sanhedrin that had just condemned Jesus and crucified him. The same council. They had just condemned Jesus and nailed him. Now Peter, afraid, they were hiding in the upper room, right? At one point, he was trying to run away, right? Are you not one of them? He said, no. And then, when Jesus resurrected, hallelujah, he appeared before them. And he didn't fear that these are the same people who have just killed the Messiah, right? And he stood before them, and he said, that this same Jesus has been resurrected. And he said he would not obey man. 
because of resurrection, Peter was now willing to be killed for the gospel. That is serious. Acts chapter 1, 20, 26. For it is written in the book of Psalm, Let his habitation be desolate, and no, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have companied with us, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was son named Justus and Matthias. So this resurrection is what the church needs to go out and preach. Hallelujah. So it's very key. This is the testimony you need to go out there and give the world that Jesus died and rose again. So when the Lord raises it at the point of rapture, that some people have died and they were afraid they are lost, He says, no, you should live with hope because Jesus has died and resurrected. And He's saying that today's church neglecting to preach the cross and the blood, Jesus died and rose again, is the reason the church has no power. That the failure to preach resurrection, because now you're beginning to understand that the disciples, all the time, I've said this again and again, I'll say it here, they walked Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected. They preached Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected. And so, Peter preached Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected. And this is the same resurrection David saw. The book of Psalm, you will let's start from Psalm 16, 8 and 11. Real quick because we have so many scriptures here. Time is running out. Psalm 16, 8 and 11. I have set the Lord always before me because he, he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Very serious. The promise of resurrection. That is now David. And so you could think he's talking about himself, but he saw the Messiah resurrected. The greater son, right? And so, again, we see Psalm 110, 1 and 7. Same. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
very powerful. Acts chapter 2, 29, 36. Just read through, see where we can reach because time is not on our side. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he should raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, and that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore God being, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the, of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Very powerful. Number one, so it is this resurrection that revealed the divine nature of Christ. It is this resurrection that revealed the divine nature of Christ. You are reading, my son, the book of Matthew 16, 21. We don't have much time. At 9 o'clock we should be done. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. It is this resurrection that proved the divine nature of Christ. That's why it's very central. And the Lord raised it in that church and in this church too, that it should give them hope to live beyond the storms of this world. Romans chapter 1 verse 4, real quick. And declare to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. It is the resurrection that confirmed him as the Son of God. And also Luke 24, 46, real quick. The importance of that resurrection that he celebrates in the scripture that pronounces the cascade of the rapture. Are we still together? Hallelujah. Yes. So I don't lose you. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and, and, uh, 13 and 14 is what we're handling now. Luke 24, 46, please. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, and to serious. So that is what proved that he is the Lord's Christ. That resurrection being exalted in the scripture that gives the narrative of the rapture. Number two, it is the most important theme that the disciples preached. That once he went there and died and resurrected, that is our strength. Hallelujah. So it was the most important gospel and theme that the disciples of Jesus preached. Number three, resurrection also was the greatest miracle. Hallelujah. That has ever happened. The resurrection of Jesus. I'm simply opening up for you a little bit of First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14. Why the Lord exalts it there. Hallelujah. And he says, it is the greatest wonder that ever happened. 
And so Jesus made unique, exclusive claims regarding that resurrection, right? Matthew 12, 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. So that resurrection the Lord raises there, when he's talking about the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14, plus 15 if you will, is key. That was a very central conversation with the church. It is the foundation of your salvation. The foundation of your calling, the foundation of your gospel, it is everything to us. So to say that a generation of Christians are ignorant of it would be unbelievable, right? But in this age we see that because even the pastors, some of them have stopped preaching it. The cross and the blood, the resurrection of Christ, and he's saying is the main theme that was preached by the disciples. Acts chapter 13, 28 to 37. That's a long read. Just try, my son. Acts chapter 13, 28 to 37. I just want to run through because at 9 sharp we must finish. And don't... But is everybody... You see me? Are you picking it, my son? You are now seeing why he raised it there. It is really everything for us, Right? The death and resurrection of Jesus. Read it, my son. And though they found no cause of death in him, they desired that Pilate, that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the, unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he raised up Jesus again. That is very powerful. Thank you very much. Very serious. That should be the mainstay of salvation. The death and resurrection of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's why the Lord exalted it there at rapture, when he's beginning to give the narrative of rapture. And so, that death and resurrection of Jesus is also a double miracle, double wonder, right? Because it's one thing for somebody to step forward and prophesy something. And it's totally another thing for that thing he has prophesied to show up and be fulfilled. So it's not a joke. When somebody stands up and gives a prophecy, like today I saw, I see a creeper, I think it's a girl, right? Yet this past night in the dream, then the glory departed from me and touched her. Then she walked like this. She went towards my right, walking now. I don't know why she opened her eyes so wide. Maybe she was also blind. So I gave that prophecy. It's one thing. Can you put for me the creeper moment? It's one thing for one to prophesy. To show up and prophesy a thing. To say there is a war coming. And one country will claim another part. Okay, this cripple here. You remember the five times I gave the prophecy of this cripple? And I said it's a girl. And 
the right leg is more crippled, is facing up, and she's wearing a dress but a trouser also. Hallelujah. And also there were some senior people, right, who showed up there, right? And so it's another thing for that prophecy to now be fulfilled. Very serious. It's a double wonder. And so that is what I'm saying regarding Jesus. That the Lord Jesus could prophesy his own death and resurrection. And then, come time, be fulfilled. It's tremendous. We need to trumpet that. It's a double wonder, double miracle right there, right? And so John chapter 2, please read in a hurry. I know there's so much scripture here. John chapter 2, 18 to 22. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign shewest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and will thou rear it up in three days? Thank you very much because of time. Again, the destination of the church eventually. Now read the following, my son. You just remain standing because of time. First Corinthians 6.14 Because of time. The destination of the church. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us up by his own power. So the Lord has placed that resurrection of Christ as our focal point. He has now put it in front of us as our destination. That in everything you do, you must now focus on that death and resurrection of Jesus. It's called the first resurrection or the glorious resurrection of Christ. That you will be partakers of it and he has raised it up like this and he has said because of it now, you are above this life. Do you understand what is spoke there in First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14? Very big. He raised resurrection. He raised the very foundation of the faith. Hallelujah. I know there is no time, but just allow me clear some stuff here, right? So this is very serious. Read Second Corinthians chapter 4, 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall also raise up. He has raised it as our destination, my Lord. So when he spoke, that was a very big thing he spoke. That you cannot be ignorant of this. And yet you are in the church. The very destiny of Christians, of believers now, he has raised it for us up there as our destination, the church. Hallelujah. And I have quite a bit, I don't know whether you have time, but I want to do this tonight because I, we have a mission coming up in India now, so we don't know how long this goes. But not only the wonder that Jesus could prophesy his own death and resurrection, but when it happened, that was the true test that this is God. He has defeated death. The true test and proof of his divinity. Hallelujah. Step by step. When the Lord mentioned it in the scripture that rolls out the rapture. What was the message to this church? He really touched the very bedrock of salvation. And the problem is 
the present day church has hewn for themselves a gospel of prosperity. Did somebody hear me? And they have abandoned this central theme, my Lord. I think we are beginning to talk now. Yeah. This is the center theme of Christian salvation, the church. And then you come up with the gospel, oh, how the Lord removed you from rags to riches, so you see, do what? Selling things, brooms, water. That's why there is no power in the church. That's why when the servants of God came, they appeared preaching Christ Jesus crucified, Christ Jesus resurrected, and he is coming back. Then now your creepers have walked. Now there is power in the house. The disciples preached Christ Jesus crucified, and when they slept, they dreamt Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected, and when they broke bread, they broke bread, Christ Jesus crucified, resurrected, and when they were out testifying, they testified Christ Jesus died, crucified, and resurrected. Let's go back there. That is the main bedrock of salvation. If you look at the church age in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, Jesus is spending all his time writing those seven epistles, doing the following. Look now. Rebuking the church on a false form of Christianity. A very deadly Christianity that accepts porosity. I mean, it's porous, accepts sin, and he warned them that, you know, this will lead them to hell. Let's go back to the cross and the blood. Christ Jesus crucified and resurrected. That is our testimony. Now he's saying that is also our destiny. Hallelujah. Destination. So as you read, uh, we already read Revelation 1.5 and just read for me uh, Revelation 21 from verse 1. You know, we, we know that, that when you're glorified you'll enter there, right? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I that is for the resurrected church. The church that has a resurrection body. And so, this is big now. We must go back to the cross and the blood. And he says it is the resurrection of Jesus that gives us a model, a model, an example of sacrificial Christian life. Can we run through a few scriptures for them here? Because of time. Matthew 10, 38 to 39. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Very serious. Matthew 16, 24 to 28. The resurrection of Christ offers the church a perfect example of living a sacrificial life. To crucify the flesh. Anyone asking for scripture? Matthew 16, 24 to 28. 
Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in glory, in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste death. Thank you. Very powerful. Romans chapter 8, 17. Sacrificial Christian life. Only through the promise of resurrection. Romans 8, 17. And, can read up to 18. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Very serious. Matthew 20, verses 26, 28. You have read that already, right? Not yet, right? Then Matthew 23, 13, if you, I mean 12. Have, you, have we read Matthew 20? Write it down, Mark, because of time. Matthew 20, 26 to 28. Have we read it? Let him read it real quick before he reads Matthew 23, 12. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to, mi to be ministered unto. And then he says, resurrection is also the gift, is the blessing, the recompense he gives you for the evil the world has done for you. The world has done on you, abused you, blackmailed you, mocked you. Maybe you have preached in places they have poured water on your face as you try to knock a door. Maybe they have chased you. Never come back here. But that resurrection is the gift the Lord gives you back. Right? So read the following scriptures in a hurry. Matthew 19, 28-29 and then Galatians 6-14. Matthew chapter 19, verse 28 and 29. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Thank you. Very powerful. He says that is what he will give you as recompense for the wrongs the world has done to you. That is how he will right the wrongs. He will now correct it, right? And heal you. Hallelujah. And he says that regeneration, which is resurrection and glorification, right? That is what he refers to right there. Galatians chapter 6, 14, please, in a hurry. We, we have a few things to cover here. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Matthew 23:35 Matthew chapter 23 verse 35 That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah son of Barakiah whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. In Revelation chapter 6, 9 and 11 when they were crying out for avenge, revenge. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Very serious. And then many other scriptures, Matthew 16, 27 over there. In Matthew 6, 10, the Lord will resurrect those who were faithful and stood with him and persecuted and will bring them to glory. So resurrection is your recompense. Hallelujah. And that's why the Lord is saying you should preach it to the church that it is resurrection that is their hope. Read Nehari if you're, if you're reading because we don't have time. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And so resurrection should instruct your teachings. That's what I said, right? Acts chapter 2.32, just read Nehari. We don't have time to read these things. Maybe next time. Acts chapter 2.32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we also are witnesses. Acts chapter 3.15, just read now, non-stop. And killed the prince and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Acts 3.26. Let's just read non-stop. And this is to emphasize to you preachers that this resurrection should instruct your teachings. Because it was constant in the mouth of the disciples. Again, 3.26, you've read? Unto you first God, having raised up his very son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Acts chapter 4, verse 2, before we go, we go to verse 10. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So that's... Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you. Very powerful Acts chapter 4, 33. It should, and, be, it should be the constant instructor of your teachings. And with great power. In all the churches, wherever you are. Hallelujah. We know there are lures and the ensnare of the gospel of prosperity, but for you that are sitting here, this is your compass. Hallelujah. Only then certain philosophers of the Epic Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods. 
because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Serious. Acts 17:31. Hallelujah. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Very serious. Acts 23, verse 6. Acts chapter 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead I am called in question. In the book of Acts, chapter, have you read 24 verse 21? Thank you. Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And so, uh, the next, which one, which one is that you've read? 24, 21. 24, 21, 25, 19, please, and then 26, verse 8. But had certain questions against him of their own superstition, and of one Jesus which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And then, uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 8. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Acts 26, 23. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should shew his light unto the people and unto the Gentiles. Let's have this summary now before we check out in a hurry now. He says, the resurrection of Jesus that is raised, if you're writing, the resurrection of Christ Jesus that is raised at the scripture where the Lord raises and rolls out the cascade of the rapture, that resurrection of Christ is the greatest promise that God ever gave the church. You can put it in your own language. I'm saying it off head. I can't repeat it. Hallelujah. And so can we write the following summary because of time? So in raising resurrection as the bedrock upon which the rapture of the church is launched, the Lord was essentially saying that there's no greater gift he has ever given the church than the resurrection of the dead. I bless you eternally that particular one there alone. So can we read real quick for them? Matthew 28 verse 10 so they have scriptures. So when they're preaching, they have these scriptures. Matthew 28, 10. That the greatest promise ever the Lord ever gave the church is resurrection. That is all he was saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Very serious. Acts, I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, Harry. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruit from them that slept. And so, that is the greatest promise the Lord ever gave the church. I'm summarizing everything as we're living now. 
when he raised it in the scripture, First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14, when he's rolling out the cascade of the rapture and saying, because of that you have great hope, that is the greatest promise the Lord ever gave the church. Go and preach it to the church. Hallelujah. And that promise teaches us to be heavenly focused in our lives. It's raining. To be heavenly focused as we live on this earth, right? Matthew 6, 19 to 24. And Colossians 3, 1 to 7. Begin with Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Hallelujah. To be heavenly focused. Don't store up unto yourself treasures on the earth. Now that you have that promise of resurrection and entry into glory. A better resurrection, right? Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then Colossians chapter 1, just begin reading, chapter 3 rather, begin reading from verse 1 up to 7. Because of time, we have only five minutes to go. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members. Very powerful. So, because of time, that resurrection is the one that also teaches perseverance in this life. Perseverance in this life. Hallelujah. Read for them the following scriptures. First Peter chapter 4. Verse 13. But rejoice in as much as as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so he teaches the saints to persevere and ignore the troubles of this life. That promised resurrection. So now you understand when the Lord invoked resurrection in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. It was a big thing, right? A very big thing. So much has come out of there. But let's read two more scriptures because of time. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. You can even begin 10 is better. 10 and 12. Hallelujah. Thank you for reading the word, my son. I bless you. Read, read because of time. I use you to read this so you can move. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Thank you. So when he says great is your reward in heaven, meaning greater, he's comparing, saying your reward is greater. 
Not just great, but greater. I hope you understand that. So this is powerful. The resurrection the Lord invoked over there, right? It is the bedrock of salvation. is our hope. We don't have another hope. Hallelujah. And so he says, that resurrection also teaches us that this world is not our home. Not just heavenly focus, but this world is not our home. So if you read for me the book of First John chapter 2, 15, 17, we have so many to read. We may not read all. First John 2, 15 to 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If that is First John Israel. First John chapter 2, everybody knows it. Verses 15 to 17. So just finish so you can read for me. James, just jump to James chapter 4 verse 4. I don't have time now. James chapter 4 verse 4. That resurrection teaches us that this world is not our home. Now we're together. So really when the Lord touched on resurrection, it was truly the bedrock of salvation, right? In the short time we have a tried really extrapolate it for you, get deep and expand it for you. Now your eyes are open, you understand? He spoke big. The Lord spoke very big there. When he said you should not grieve as the heathen who don't have hope, but for you death now plus hope together. Why? Because of resurrection. And all this is that the sting of death has been taken away, right? So James chapter 4, verse 4, that when he, he talked about the resurrection, he essentially implied that this world is not our home. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. James, uh, brother John 15, 19, give it to them.